0: UMGoBlue.com, by fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. And today we're going to sift through the, the debris of Michigan's 35-16 to 16 Citrus Bowl loss to Alabama, talk about some of the changes in the staff and the team, and uh, compare thoughts as Michigan heads into this very important off season, well Clint it's been a few weeks you've had some time to digest what are your thoughts uh, considering Michigan's uh, performance in the bowl game versus Alabama
1: I think uh, the different reactions that we've seen and heard and uh, had in discussions uh, with other Michigan fans really are more reflective of what what your expectations were going into that Citrus Bowl game against Alabama. The folks that uh, expected to get, um, you know, blown out of the water uh, were, were kind of relieved that it was a, a competitive game, you know, with a halftime lead and, and uh, you know, uh, one score game at the end until it finally, uh, you know, finally got away from them uh, late in the fourth quarter. I don't feel relieved. I, you know, I was still pretty disappointed um, in that result. I thought, uh, you know, that they could have played. Uh, they didn't play their best game, and they still had a chance to win. So there was a, uh, you know, th- there's a lot to build on. But I was still uh, disappointed in that in that game. It felt a lot like uh, a lot like the Penn State game to me. That had they played their best game, they they probably would have won. That uh, would have won that game and that's uh that's the end result feeling for me. So um of course I, I expected them to play, you know, relatively well going in. So my disappointing feel is really more in relation to what I expected going into that game. So um you know that's you know, it, it is what it is that uh you got you gotta tip your hat to uh just the talent level and, and the, the coaches at Alabama of course. Um but Michigan showed they can uh, can at least compete. At that level, I think some folks, um, given the results against Ohio State the last couple of years, some folks are starting to wonder whether they were in, you know, in the same league, uh, talent-wise as as those programs. And uh, while they are uh, a step or two behind, I think they at least showed that they belong in the same in the same conversation. But they uh, they just can't afford to make the types of mistakes uh, that they made and 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 give. But, uh, again, uh, too many explosive plays on defense to, uh, to be able to actually win the games against, uh, against the big boys.
0: You know, I think you made a good point. You know, they, they played better than many people expected, but not as good as I hope they would play. So, you know, one of the reasons I, I went to this game was I wanted to see how Michigan looked on the field compared to Alabama. And even Alabama in in what they would say is a down year, it's it's still Alabama. They're still, you know, top-tier talent. So my thoughts when I was there, um, watching them on the field before the game, um, I was struck by how fast some of Alabama's players were. I was really impressed by how quickly and how fast their defensive linemen moved around. And I gotta tell you, I had a really bad feeling um, you know when the game started because I had watched Jerry Judy in, in warmups and he was just amazingly quick. So when they broke off that, you know, their first offensive play of the game, I was like, oh, here we go, off to the races, right? But then Michigan really stood up. And, you know, what what gives me hope is for three quarters, Michigan took every blow that Alabama could deliver. And like you said, if Michigan had played better offensively, um, I, I think they really had a shot to win this game and to, and to really make a statement nationally. Now, you know, I, I think it's, you know, what do you want to focus on? Do you want to focus on the three quarters that Michigan, you know, stood toe-to-toe with Alabama? Or do you want to look at the, the fourth quarter where Alabama pulled away? I, I think the, the thing that I took away from, from just, you know, seeing the guys match up player-to-player is that Michigan is still a few players away from from being able to match up and beat a top tier team, and even with that said, um, you know you had that that really interesting call go against the Michigan defense, right? And I'm not saying Michigan lost because of that game, but when you're when you're an underdog, you need kind of everything to go your way. You need to play your best game. You need the calls to at least break even. And, and that was a huge turning point. I mean, you know, here you had an opportunity to stop them, and, and, you know, they might have punted or kicked a field goal, and they came down and scored, and it pretty much just erased um, all the work that Michigan had done in scoring field goals to, to really dominate Alabama. But again, you know, when you're a team like Michigan playing a power like Alabama, you can't leave points out on the field. And that's how I felt when they were when they were kicking field goals. You know, you you have to you have to score when you have the opportunity. So, I think the biggest thing that surprised me is that, you know, except for the Ohio State game, the Michigan offense had really been surging toward the last half of the year, and um, definitely didn't see a, a great performance from Shea Patterson. And um, you know, I, I think that was one thing that I that I was really disappointed by.
1: Yeah. And there was a kind of a, a, a slow turn feeling to that game. it seemed like uh, Josh Gaddis had a really great uh, game plan going in. Um, you know, Michigan uh, outgained Alabama in the first quarter, 181 yards to 128. And, and that's given a, you know, an 85 yard touchdown on the first play, uh, you know, to, to the tide. So um they really came out strong, but then slowly, I think uh, Nick Saban and his staff kind of downloaded what the uh, what the game plan was, and Michigan didn't have the uh, counter to the counter to, to make it work. So um, you're right that uh, the three possessions in the first half, where they kicked field goals they needed to score, but um, that's still only four scoring drives, and, and had they scored touchdowns, on all four of those drives then they would have lost 35 to 28 so um they they needed they still are, are just one move short um <laughs> from from winning these uh these big games um against uh the top tier opponents and, and and they're capable you know i i know that it can be done uh it just has to be they have to execute in, in moment. Uh, both the coaching staff and uh and the players so um, feeling that kind of turn slowly through the game was was kind of like the air coming out of a out of a balloon, you know, or, or you know watching a helium filled balloon kind of slowly sink to the floor over the course of a day. That's 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 kind of the feeling that I had. But um, it's there, it's there, and, and the, the program is right on the doorstep. But it's going to take uh, it's going to take some, some pretty significant um, work. And leadership inside the building though, uh, to take the next step and, and just take the next step, excuse me, and, and go from good to great.
0: The other thing that was impressed upon me is that I think while Michigan's defense is really, really good to great, that we have gone about as far as we can counting on the defense. And, and that's not to say that I'm disappointed with the defense. But I think that the way the rules are set up and the way the game is being played, the offense has a lot of advantages and I, you know, I guess what I'm saying is I think gone are the days where you're going to win a national championship and, and hold the team to seven or 14 points. Um, you know, the way the rules are set up, the way the offenses are, are set up, you know, the defense I think is at a championship level, meaning that, you know, they're, they're, they're very, very good to great. It's, the Michigan offense really needs to get in gear and, and play at a higher level for Michigan to get over the top.
1: Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you um, throughout the course of the season for sure. And I certainly would have said that uh, over the last couple of years, certainly in 2018. Um, but this, even, again, I, I, I drew immediate comparison to, uh, to the Penn State game. And, and there were some frustrations on offense in that Penn State game also but really what what drives me crazy even now looking back are the big plays to to KJ Hamler i mean the defense played so well in that game minus you know four snaps of the ball right i mean that 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 was an absolutely dominating performance other than those four plays where inex you know inexplicably KJ Hamler is running free and scoring touchdowns and it was the difference in the game. It felt the same way, uh, and this one, uh, against Alabama. The only time that Alabama really kind of imposed their will was on the final scoring drive when they were giving the ball to Najee Harris uh, and kind of hammering the interior of that Michigan defense. But other than that, it was, it was blown coverages. Um, and, and, and even back to the Ohio State game, watching uh, the other team throw the ball deep over top of his own coverage. You know, the, these were not bad matchups in man to man. This was you've got the deep half of the field or the deep third of, of a field. That means nobody gets behind you. Yet, you know, th- there are guys going just streaking past uh, our safeties. Um it's it's frustrating. So in the biggest moments we're just not playing well enough, period. And uh I wish uh, I wish I was smart enough to know exactly what has to happen, but I, I, I do still have confidence in both coordinators, uh, Don Brown and Josh Gaddis, and, and obviously in Harbaugh to get it together. But it's it's, it's not going to happen, you know. It's not going to happen by wishing and, and hoping. You know, there's there's some work that's got to happen, and and I still think that there's uh, somewhat of an it factor, uh, or, or leadership factor from the player level that uh, that's missing that, that we still don't have that guy that steps up and makes a, a critical play in a big moment um, reliably. And, and once we have that, once we've got that guy again, and uh, once the staff can start throwing the counter punch to the, uh, to the counter punch against the best uh, coaching staffs in the big 10 and nationally, then um, the, the sky's the limit for the program. But you know, that, That hasn't happened. We have to see it, um, and and I think we'll see we'll we'll be able to pick it up when uh, when those things have changed. But twenty nineteen was not the year that they took that step forward, and that's what I hoped it was going to be.
0: Well, and I think that's the thing that I was wondering was you had Shea Patterson in his senior year, you had um, the Gattis offense kind of coming into its own, and I did have high hopes, but again when you look at them matching up against Alabama and and I think what what I saw in the second half was just Michigan just being wore down by not quitting having the depth that Alabama had um and, and I think that's you know when I think about what happened on defense it's you're right there's a blown play here and there but there's also a point where in the second half it just seemed that um you know Michigan, especially on the front defensive line, just got wore down. You know, just got a step slower. And and again, when you're on the field for that long, going as hard as you you do, you know, I think that's going to happen. So you really needed the the offense to give the defense a breather more in that second half, and I think that's what I was most disappointed by not seeing.
1: Yeah, I I really wish they would have found a way to keep – um, keep the running game at the forefront. I know we, we kind of switched to uh, putting Hassan Haskins uh, into the into the, the main ball carrier role, and I really wish uh, we would have kept um, giving Zach Charbonnet the ball in the early second half because he was he was really running the ball well in the first half. Um, Michigan had a fifty-three percent success rate on the on the run game for the whole for the whole day and only a 29% success rate on pass plays. So um, it, it was it was kind of strange to me coming out at halftime and not uh, sticking with what was working on the ground and then trying to take some shots downfield through the air coming off of that because they were having su- success with it. But, um, you know, that's it is what it is. I, I agree with you about the depth, and I think, you know, when when you have a disadvantage like that, whether it's a talent disadvantage or depth uh, disadvantage or you're playing on the road, then uh, you, you just have to be that much sharper. And uh, we just haven't seen a, a really sharp, crisp performance um, in, in a long time in, in a game like that. So that's, uh, I think that's the key that I will be looking for, especially early on heading into the 2020 season, you know, starting on the road against uh, a power five opponent, a uh, tough place to play in Seattle against Washington. So um, that's a good challenge. And it would be a, uh, it would be a, a very good win for, for the program. And obviously you, you definitely want to get off um, started on the right foot for the season. So uh, that's uh, it'll be interesting to see how they, uh, they correct some of the things that we're talking about.
0: You know, another thing, there was a lot of criticism of Shea Patterson and and some of that was directed by me, but the other thing that I noticed about Alabama secondary is that they were much more successful and quick in covering our receivers, and I'm not saying there weren't opportunities for pass plays, but, you know, and I think back to the Indiana game, Michigan was really able to, to get some great separation, and, um, allow the the receiver to run underneath the ball and I think give Shea a little bit of more comfort that he didn't have to throw the perfect ball to get it in I was really impressed with Alabama secondary and that was one thing that that really stood out to me is that you know they were you know again part of it is the rules that they were able to get away with a little a little bit of uh, extracurriculars but I, I think that goes both ways but they were really able to stick the guys and that was one thing that 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 stood out to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You could tell um, that that's one area that the, uh, the talent difference uh, with the best teams and programs, whether it's Ohio state or Alabama um, you could, you notice, you know, it's a big swing from Michigan having a talent advantage over a team like say Iowa (laughs) and, and then putting Michigan at a disadvantage against uh, the Buckeyes or against uh, Alabama and, and, it's a very stark contrast when you, when you look at the, the receivers and, and the defensive backs, you know, from a clear talent advantage to a pretty clear talent
0: disadvantage.
1: It stands out.
0: So it's going to be interesting to me because I agree with you. I, I like what Gaddis is doing on the offense. So the, um, the thing for me is, you know, do we have the guy on the roster right now who we can plug in at quarterback – Who's really going to be able to energize this offense and I think that you know the uh the early rumors is that Harbaugh has basically told the quarterbacks hey it's wide open go at it and you know I'm wondering are you know is it going to be Milton is it going to be McCaffrey is it going to be one of the guys we haven't seen yet but when I was watching Alabama and again not to not to bag on Shea you know again I think he had a substandard game but he also played really well toward the end of the season, but when I was looking at both teams, it was like, "Wow, this is Alabama's second-string quarterback," and you know he was at the control of the offense, was able to get it done. So, looking ahead, you know, do you have a thought on what Michigan's going to need at quarterback to uh, to get over the top?
1: Well, I, I I tend to take Harbaugh a little bit at his word from. Big 10 media days uh, this summer with the plan was to get Dylan McCaffrey much more integrated into the offense early in the season before he had the concussion um, in the third game against Wisconsin. So um, I think that the team and the program and the coaching staff have seen uh, some things from Dylan McCaffrey that we haven't when he's been able to get into games in mop-up duty um, in a big win, or, or, you know, from way behind like he was against Wisconsin, I still when they made the switch to McCaffrey uh, against Wisconsin, it is kind of hard for me to believe that it was uh, that he wasn't going to stay in there. I mean that that he may have taken over the starter's role at that point before he got hurt, and then uh, when Patterson came back in, they found some success down the field throwing the ball to Nico Collins, and uh, you know Patterson never never really gave the uh, back up, um, so so that it is what it is. But I don't think that we've seen everything out of McCaffrey that the coaching staff has seen. So um, I do think that that the guy is on the roster. Now, with that said, I I I just I can't wait to see in the spring Joe Milton throwing all of the different routes um, in this offense. You know, I I think that guy's got more arm talent than I've seen at Michigan, um, in person ever, you know, I, and, and I, I've been watching, you know, since, uh, since the mid nineties. So I, have never seen, uh, anybody with the arm talent that, that I see from Joe Milton. So, um, if he has a, uh, a command of the offense and, and can be a, uh, a good steward uh, of the offense and really command the huddle, then uh, I think he may have, uh, he, he may unlock some things, throw in the ball um, that McCaffrey doesn't. So it, it'll be an interesting kind con- of um, competition, but I don't believe that there's any reason to try to go get somebody from the transfer portal or anything else with those two guys on the roster. I really think, uh, letting those guys compete and continue to develop both of those guys um, and, and maybe find a way to integrate their strengths uh, in different ways. And uh, I, I think Michigan can be successful with those guys as they are. But um, we haven't seen, obviously, uh, everything that we need to see out of either one of those guys to be ready to be the, uh, the starter in Seattle against Washington um, when the fall rolls around, so there's there's a lot of work to do you know, in addition to competing and, and picking a start.
0: So the interesting thing for me is, and we talked about this, you know, during the season, there was one throw in particular that that you know we batted around for a while, that that Milton just had a laser, right? And I think it's it's interesting to um, kind of fall in love with with the talent of somebody, but I think you make a great point. You know, we might you know be curious about Milton, but as you pointed out, McCaffrey seems to have the the heads up from the from the coaching staff. So you need to take that into account. And you know, he looked good not only you know again he got injured early this year, but he looked good last year when he was running the offense. So it'll be interesting uh, for me to see. You know, I think that you know as as Good to great as Patterson has been at times. I think when he came into the offense this season, he was not the perfect fit for it, right? He may have been the most talented guy. He may have had the most experience. He may have been the best able to uh, to be at the controls of the offense. But I never got the impression that he was the perfect fit for, um, you know, some of the things that, that Josh Gaddis wanted to do. I think... McCaffrey uh or Milton fit much better into into the potential of this offense so I'm really interested to see what's going to happen
1: yeah I think the the only other thing to add for the for the quarterback discussion for me is that it'll be interesting to see if Josh Gaddis really integrates the quarterback into the run game I think um I think Patterson's injury on the first or snap of the season against middle Tennessee State uh, kind of changed that whole dynamic and and may have handcuffed Gaddis as a play caller um, from being able to really uh, use the quarterback running game um, it could be that early on in the season Patterson just wasn't making the correct breeds in some of those option situations so uh, I, I am interested to see in the spring and then early uh, in the fall to see whether, Um, The quarterback rushing attack is it's going to be a piece of this offense um, to a level that's that's more than than what we saw this year with Patterson. And if not, then uh, then uh, it'll be interesting to see how he's going to how he's going to try to get uh, all of his different uh, weapons spread out over space. But I think um, I think the quarterback is going to play a bigger role in the run game whether it's Milton or McCaffrey, um, going into next year.
0: So we've also had some changes on the coaching staff. So it's going to be interesting. Which coach do you think that Michigan is going to miss the most, Clint, out of the guys who left?
1: I think they will feel the loss of Chris Partridge on the recruiting trail more than anything else. I, I think when they bringing in Shoop, uh, a, a former defensive coordinator at multiple power five programs, um, he's he's certainly overqualified to be the safeties coach. So from a from a position coach and on that defensive staff, I think they filled the positions very well in terms of uh, technical coaching. Um, but Partridge on the on the recruiting trail and some of the connections that he had on the East Coast. Um, and, and his work ethic uh, and, and ability to hit the work the recruiting trail hard uh, and relate to high school players being a former high school head coach uh, recently at a big time program I think that's where the, the biggest difference is uh, you know with that said um, there's been a lot of praise for Brian John-marie uh, the, the coach that we brought in from uh, Charlie Strong's tree I me mean, almost recently at uh, USF with Charlie strong. He's uh, he's got the same level of connections and, and accolades as Partridge did. And uh, his uh, strength is in Texas and in Florida. So um, geographically, there'll be a shift in recruiting, but uh, I think from a, from an impact level, that's where we may feel um, a little bit of a, of a step back uh, in the next recruiting cycle, but that's still, still a ways off. You know, most of the, uh, 2020 classes signed in the early period, the early enrollees are already on campus. So, um, there's, there's time to figure out the, the recruiting bit of it. So I'm glad that they brought in two defensive coaches that I think, uh, have some familiarity with what Don Brown wants to do. They can also bring, um, kind of a fresh perspective on what else they've done, uh, you know, to, to, you know again throw the counter to the counter that i think don brown has been missing in, in the biggest games recently so that's uh you know that's that's encouraging and then uh i, I, I there's a part of me that that wonders you know whether Shoop um may may have an opportunity to be the uh, the heir apparent to don brown if, uh if he's indeed considering moving on to another job or, or even retiring uh, at the end of uh, the 2020 season or at the end of his contract. So because, uh, you know, getting a, getting a guy with the experience uh, that Shoop has, um, you know, th- he's certainly capable of doing that. So it, it'll be interesting to see if there's a, an element of succession planning there. That would be a, that'd be a positive thing.
0: I agree with you. I think Chris Partridge is the, the guy that I'm going to miss the most. Um, I'm surprised, you know, when they brought him in, they talked about how important it was to kind of have a pipeline of talent from, you know, the New Jersey, New York area. And, and honestly, I kind of rolled my eyes at that. But Michigan has had really leveraged his connections to the, the high school talent there. So I think that's going to be missed. Now, with that said, I think uh, Jean-Marie, you know, having links to, uh, to Texas, you know, I think that you know, it used to be, uh, you know, former Michigan coach Fred Jackson, that used to be kind of his area of recruiting. And Michigan definitely pulled out some gems. So if Jean-Marie can uh, can help us leverage that area, I think that'll be a nice counter to what, what we may lose in the New Jersey, New York area. Um, you know, it's interesting. I had not considered the angle that you mentioned with Shoup. I had kind of figured he might be a guy who was just coming in for – a year or two looking for a a bigger job elsewhere. But, uh, I think you're right. He would be an amazing fit. Um, it seems every year we hear rumors that Don Brown is thinking of leaving and perhaps this is a a backstop to that. And as you said, succession planning. And if that's the case, I I think we'd be in pretty good hands.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that defense that shoe had in 2018, um, at Mississippi State was was just absolutely killer. I mean, uh, that you know the Devin Bush, uh, Rashawn Gary, Chase Winovich defense was number two in the nation in SP plus, and uh, number one that year was Shoops' defense at Mississippi State. So, um, the, there's there's a lot there. Uh, he's he's worked uh, with Don Brown in the past, you know, so there's a lot of similarity there he actually may have played for, for Don Brown or or worked under Don Brown at Yale um, originally. Uh, So there's a lot of familiarity there. Uh, It's, it it could be a very smooth handoff if indeed that's the plan. So we'll see. I'm not one that's trying to force Don Brown out the door. I, I I think he's a great coach, Um, but I think he would be the first one to say that his performance in the biggest spots, um, you know, it, it has to improve and, and the, the kid's got to make plays on the field, but you know, he, he's got to have him prepared and, uh, he still needs, he, he did a lot of work to, to change up, uh, his strategy and not be quite as predictable. Um, in 2019, uh, it was noticeable to me, you know, he started integrating more zone coverage very early on, but I think, uh, there's still a little bit more to do there. And I still think that he is a little bit predictable by formation. Um, and, and Alabama exploited that a little bit early on, uh, also in the bowl game. You know, if, if you know what, exactly what look and what adjustments the guy is going to make with uh, this formation and this motion, then you know that's what uh, Josh Gaddis calls having the chalk in your hand last. Right? If you know what that guy is going to do, then you just have to do one more adjustment and uh you're going to be able to exploit that and i think um bringing in a couple new guys uh and adding a, a couple change-ups to down brown's arsenal and, and and they could be right back there in the top five uh nationally uh in 2020 so it it'll be it'll be fun to see
0: all right well that's going to do it for this edition of the um goblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer